This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Obviously, the big story of the night is the NFL suspending Monday Night Football, and rightfully so. And they will come up with another date where they can uh, play this game. But with the serious injury, you just heard it on SportsCenter, with the serious injury uh, where it's, it's just, once again, it's just really scary. DeMar Hamlin, after making a tackle, stood up and collapsed on the field, passed out, did not try to break his fall. So he was, you'd have to say he was unconscious, just fell out. Uh, reports that he wasn't breathing. Ambulance on the field had to provide CPR for him. He was taken to the hospital. His mom rode along with him in the ambulance. So a scary situation. And as I said throughout, you can't play in situations like that. You can't do it. You can't. You can't. Emotionally, the team was not there. None of them especially the Bills, not there. I mean, it was as bad as you could be. No physicality, no, you you really get hurt if you cannot play the game physically, emotionally, and with physicality. Can't do it. Can't do it. Go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Happy New Year, my friend. Hey, Happy New Year, my big bro. I mean, call to talk with you about the Jets, which is absolutely seems trivial. I just hope that young man's okay. You know, I grew up in the South Bronx, so you know that. I mean, I've seen some horrific things. But a lot of times it was in the context of maybe like street life or different things like that. You don't expect, you know, to watch a football game or to go to a football game or to participate in a football game and, you know, come out fighting for your life. So, uh, you know, that situation is tough. But all we just do is really sit and waiting for some kind of news saying that he's doing okay. The first reports haven't been great. No. Yeah, you know. He had to take his mom out there to stands and bring in an ambulance, they said, and that yeah. he wasn't breathing on his own, you know. That's yeah. not good, bro. No. Not good. Not good. But anyway, I'll, I'll dive into the Jets thing. You know, maybe it'll take my mind off it. I mean, the Jets are like a Greek tragedy without the romance. You know, again, you know, um, the, the stuff that you hear about Sean Payton and you hear about uh, Derek Carr and you hear about all these different people coming. The question I would love to ask is, why would Sean Payton come in and take a job? If have you sit, saddle him with the GM that was here already that's done an okay job, not a great job? Mm-hmm. And then when you're a quarterback, free agent quarterback, I mean, people don't understand what the Jets look like. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we're here looking at it inward. You know, from the outside looking in, I mean, is that really where you want to spend the last few years of your career? Are you sure the Jets are, are close to getting to the Super Bowl? I'm not so sure. Uh, the house of cards fell apart. Uh, the, the banged-up quarterback with the banged-up offensive line and the coaching staff that is, like, really, to be honest with you, solid in, in a lot of ways. I mean, if you look at him on the sidelines, he looked like he's checked out. <laughs> yeah. And the team came out there and played like they, like you know, the team follows the identity of their leadership. You know, and they came out there, and uh, I Flat. spoke with Ty on Saturday. Yeah, Flat. I spoke with Ty on Saturday, and I said, you can't have Kenneth Walker. These were my exact words. You can't have him breaking off any sixty-yard runs. What did he do on the first play? Sixty-one. 60 yards. <laughs> you, you, you know, bro, you can't make that. You know what up? 
Yeah. We're not told that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the culture of the Jets is what it is, and it's always going to start from the top. I mean, Woody mm-hmm. Johnson, you know, I don't want to hear the stuff about Zach Wilson. You know, they did bad with him, don't get me wrong. But he was a bad pick from the start, and he was mm-hmm. picked for reasons sometimes. Some of the reasons might not have been football-related. But the finger pointing is what the Jets are all about. Now, look, yeah. you know, Salah's getting the finger pointing at him, and there's a good possibility he doesn't come back. I don't care what anybody says. Woody Johnson's embarrassed. So, you know, Douglas pointed the finger at Adam Gase, you know, who, the guy who brought him in. Then he pointed it at Sam Donald. You know, Woody's going to point the finger at Salah. You know, Salah pointed the finger at Zach Wilson. <laughs> now some of the fingers are being pointed back at him and LaFleur for not developing Wilson right, and that's really going to be probably along with the way that the team didn't respond in the last – let's be honest. People thought – I don't know how you thought they were winning this game. They haven't played well in a month. Yeah. But, you know – Fans are going to be fans. Media types are going to be media types. You know, all this different stuff. The, the, the Jets are going to go in there, and they're going to be fired up because Mike White was in there. He was not really physically ready to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their whole thing is they're based all of their uh, pre- preparation and how they're going to come out based on, on Mike White. Uh, that was a good idea. You need to come out and play for yourself and put good tape out there for the guys who are going to be here and the guys who are not going to be here. But, you know, Joe Douglas – he had a great last draft at free agency, but in three drafts, the offensive line is horrific. I mean, the second draft was adequate. The first draft was, was absolutely, you know, horrible. So now you're going to have, you got this situation here where people are asking for Salah to get fired for Joe Douglas to stay. I mean, isn't that the whole reason that they're supposed to have brought all of everybody in together to not mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff again? Yes. And then right. Mike LaFleur, like you said, the, the inflexibility. You know, yeah. you can't even bring him back because what quarterback are you going to bring in? That, that, I mean, somebody else, they're not going to want to work with these people. It's a mess, and it really didn't have to be, bro. But, you know, such is life with the Jets, and that's why I don't put that much. I don't invest myself like I used to. I'm telling you, that 12 years, mm-hmm. I mean, that 10 years straight, that took a little something out of me as a fan. I don't know how you look at this team and be like, yeah, every year. I hear the same people call, yeah, this is our year. Yeah, really? the hell have you been looking at for the last 10 years? <laughs> they're hoping against hope, Buddha. That's what they're doing. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. And I've had a number of personal friends who, you know, they're Jet fans and, and they're, they're you know, they're like you. They'll they'll check in from time to time, see how they're doing. And then, um, you know, if it's not, if you're not, if it's not what the, they're thinking it is, you know, that's the situation. If it's not where they should be. So they checked in, you know, when it was six and three, because they weren't expecting much from them. You know. So that's what happened. And now you're looking and they're not in the postseason. At six at seven and four. This is a team that should have gotten to the playoffs. And yeah, you know, obviously the way they performed over the past couple of games, they don't deserve it. No question about it. I agree. But the big, the, as it turns out, that New England game, those New England games were the turning point of this season. The first one and the second. Those were the two turning points of the season for this Jet team. It 
if they either win one or both of those, they're still playing right now. They still got a shot. <laughs> they still do. Just wasn't meant to be. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Check in with some of the responses that we've gotten so far to our poll question. Um, uh, 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 here we go. This is, as I scroll through, scrolling through. Okay. Um, hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Josh B, the company prez. Hey, Josh. Coaching, the fact that this group of coaches thought it was a great idea to draft and then properly develop Zach, then really said to themselves, Zach gives us the best chance to win. He was five and one he was five and one early in the season, and it wasn't because of Zach. The coaches thought this was an okay. So a number of folks weighing in to see uh what they have to say. Uh Guru Jet at Guru Jets, the fact that the O line is in last place for this tells me all I need to know about fan knowledge. Uh, Big Ant 1017, I'll go O-line and the coaching hand-in-hand. They couldn't run the ball, but coaching has been terrible. The play calling is all over the place at the worst times, at the wrong times. Uh, Also, online regressed so much that the Jets couldn't rely on their ground game. The quarterbacks were sitting ducks. Uh, Also, Katzerager 823, this team is a joke. What a disaster. Hmm. Here's the recent numbers. What's the biggest reason the Jets are not making the playoffs? Offensive line play, 13.8%. Coaching, 15.5%. Quarterback play, 70.7%. And yet the quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterback play takes a huge hit. There's no question about it. But that's not the only reason. Not the only reason. Ryan's in Long Island. What's up, Ryan? Happy New Year. Hey, Larry, always good to hear from you, man. Um, I was just calling about your question as well. Um, you know, I think, let's be fair as well with the injuries, but if we're really taking a look back, um, I, I agree with the previous tweet, you know, obviously Zach had nothing this season to offer the team. But when you take a look back at hiring a rookie defensive coordinating, uh, you know, candidate for head coach, and then a rookie offensive coordinator to take a multi-year project quarterback at number two and put him right in the lineup, it doesn't exactly scream good chances. Um, so I really, I, I don't think that they were really set up for success from the very get-go. Well, I'll say this, Ryan. Normally, and thanks for the kind words and your thoughts. Normally, when you have a rookie head coach, there is, even though he's been in the league at different positions, normally when you have a rookie head coach, there is some experience. Either your offensive coordinator is a veteran or your defensive coordinator is a veteran at the position or is a former quarter or is a former head coach so that you have somebody to bounce some things off of. Now, obviously Robert Sala has spent some time in this league. He was on a San Francisco. He was very good with the San Francisco giants defense. He's one of the smart minds, young talented minds coming up in this league. And he was given this opportunity, but normally there are some more you know, previous head coaches that's on your staff to kind of help you, okay, to kind of get you through. And if you're going to draft a rookie quarterback and have a rookie offensive coordinator 
and no veteran quarterback as they did last year, that's not usually how it's done. It just isn't. Normally, you want somebody there who's had some experience as the head coordinator or former head coach, especially when you are trying to mentor and and coach up a young quarterback who had a good a good senior year, but the year previously was kind of sketchy. And, you know, the other things come into play was never a captain. Normally your quarterback's a captain. He wasn't a captain on BYU. And so there's a whole, other, a whole other stuff here that raises some eyebrows now. And it only raises eyebrows because, you know, he's, he hasn't played well. He hasn't performed well. And if anything, he's he's digressed. Understand this, and I know I keep saying it over and over again, but it's because it's so rare. This is the number two pick overall. I understand benching quarterbacks. It happens. If it's too fast, you slow down. Okay? If it's too fast, you know, let's let's bench him. Let's make him the backup. Let's let him sit. Let him catch up. They didn't bench him. He was inactive. And he wasn't inactive once. He was inactive twice. Which means there's something else going on that he's not getting. Yeah, they talk footwork. Yeah, they talk fundamentals. Yeah, they talk about he's got things to work on. He was out for a couple of weeks. Then they came back because of injury. And he looked like the same way he was before. Now, obviously, from a confidence standpoint, he's struggling. I get it. Get it. Obviously. Struggling. How could you not be? You were inactive. Didn't dress. Once, not not once, but twice. And so I don't know that he could. I, I mean, I spoke to Mike Tannenbaum while filling in with Ty Butler on the Michael K show this week. And Mike T says you 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 owe him another year to bring him back and see you know you bring another quarterback in, bring a couple of quarterbacks in. What are you going to do with Mike White? You make a decision based on what you see this year, rest of the year. Zach Wilson and you bring a veteran quarterback in and they the three battle it out. I don't see how. And look, obviously Geno Smith is the you know, the main example that everybody's going to because of how. It took a while for him to play, and he's played very well. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. He's got his Seattle team fighting for a postseason spot. They're looking like geniuses after trading away Russell Wilson with the way Russell Wilson has played for Denver. So I get it. This is the, you know, during this year, it's like you can't give up on your quarterbacks. You know, everybody's not the same. Some people need to sit. Some people need to practice. Some people need to, every, all quarterbacks are not equal. But I don't know how you bring Zach Wilson back. How do you do it? If his confidence level is struggling now, how is he going to play? Is he going to play with his eye to the sidelines? Every time there's a possibility that, uh, you know, he could be pulled. Gets booed all the time. I mean, how, 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 how do you play like that as a young player? 
Ed's in Manhattan. What's up, Ed? Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. What's happening? Uh oh, man. Just uh, you know, listening to you and uh, just uh, hearing what's going on with the with the Monday night game. So yeah. hopefully, you know, we you know hope for the best. Um, but anyway, just talking about the Jets, man. That's you know what I uh, called about. Um, yeah, no, I, I think coaching. I, I put a lot of it on coaching when you ask the question uh, why the Jets aren't in the playoffs. I mean, from the get go, uh, you know, you you mentioned it, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. I mean. Uh, you know, uh, to not hire an offensive coordinator that had uh, no experience. It was, it was a big, uh, big uh, mistake. I mean, uh, you know, you, I talk about Brian Dable, great success, possible coach of the year. Um, but yeah, he, I'm assuming he and Joe Shane and, and, and John Mara had input on that, and they hired a, a guy who uh, knew what he was doing as a defensive coordinator. Um, so uh, Dable didn't have to worry about that. Wink Martindale took care of that for him. So he was free to, you know, oversee and, uh, and focus on coaching, and it worked out great. Um, Salah didn't do that. But, you know, that having been said, you know, it was done. We knew the situation at the beginning of the season. So I, I say, you know, with Zach Wilson, I mean, you know, they, they saw, you know, what was going on with him. So I, I say they didn't uh, they didn't go to his strengths. Not that he had a lot of strengths, but, you know, most people saw that, you know, he was most effective when he rolled out, when he was on the move. And you know what? As soon as he would run and he would actually be effective. I'm not suggesting he should be running all the time. And he doesn't have a big frame, so I worry about him getting hurt. But you know what? If, if this is what you got right now, and that's his strength, that's what you have to play to. And, you know, maybe you got to tell him, you know, hey, listen, man, if you don't got it, you know, roll out. If you don't got it, maybe you got to run. And don't get, you know, get out of bounds, slide, don't get hurt, and let's keep going. But I, I didn't see that. And, and then also the whole situation about letting uh, the whole Mike White thing go in the locker room. I, I don't know if Salah could have done something about that. I guess maybe he's afraid of a mutiny, but having guys wearing T-shirts, you know, obviously, you know, uh, showing that they don't like, you know, they like Mike White. They actually <laughs> like him out more than Zach Wilson. And uh, just, you know, I, I mean, I know you're showing support for the team, but, I mean, what are you doing with the guy's confidence? We talk about confidence, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, are you, well, what kind of confidence you, you have when you have everybody on the team wearing a shirt or most of the guys wearing a, uh, 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 wearing a shirt on the team that advocates pretty much having the guy behind you play instead of you? So what are you doing then if you're letting that go on? So I, I question that. Again, I don't know. I'm not there. I don't know what he can do about it. I don't know if he uh, – you know, it's been mentioned, and I think that might be uh, a ring of truth in it that, Maybe he's too close with the players. He seems like a good guy. I, I think he has a, a lot of leadership ability. But, you know, that might be a problem. Maybe uh, he's a little too close to them, and maybe he didn't want to, you know, tell them, maybe, hey, dudes, you can't wear that. You know, let's not do that. I don't know. But I, I put a lot of it on coaching. You know, I, I, I know some of the guys didn't produce. I know players play. You know, I, I know that's how it works. But I think uh, a lot of the, the uh, culpability uh, for the Jets not being in the playoffs, um, the New England games, like you mentioned, the Detroit game was an outrage, an abomination. That should not happen. I put that on coaching. I do it. All right, Ed. Thanks for your thoughts. It's um, it's interesting. That, that locker room situation is life and death for a head coach. It is. And for those folks in that locker room to put on the shirts that they had, says a lot about what they think about Zach Wilson. It just does. It says a lot. Whether they don't feel like he works hard enough, whether they don't feel like he's doing what he's supposed to do, says a lot. says a lot. 
Conversation continues on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. When in the first quarter, DeMar Hamlin was making a tackle of one of the Cincinnati Bengal receivers, and he stood up after the tackle and passed out. Didn't try to brace himself, hit the, hit the turf. Medics were called, ambulance brought on the field, couldn't breathe. Gave him CPR, took him to the hospital. His mom was in the stands. She was brought out of the stands, rode the rode to the hospital with him. There was, it took 23 minutes from the time that they got, he was on the field and the ambulance came and got him off. Then there was a time when the game was temporarily suspended and there was a decision for the National Football League to make. What are we going to do? Should we play the game? Should we not play the game? try to reschedule the game. And clearly the move was, and it took them a while, but they decided, I believe correctly, to suspend the game. They can play it again if they need to. They'll find a, they'll find a way to get it done. But they would have put more players in jeopardy had they played the, had they continued to play that game tonight. As I mentioned earlier, when you looked in the eyes of the Buffalo players, they they were not able to play. All they could think of was their fallen comrade, and rightfully so. I get it. I understand it. Even the Cincinnati players were stunned. There are occasions when ambulances are brought on the field for serious injuries. There are occasions when you see the wagons carting players off the field. You've even seen players wear their necks in the brace because you're afraid of players being paralyzed. But in the years of covering football that I've had the pleasure of doing, I've never seen a situation like this where a player, after making a tackle, stood up and just fell out. Didn't brace himself, didn't fall slowly to his knees first. He just fell right to the turf. And so, as I mentioned, the game, Monday night game has been suspended. And it was the right move by the National Football League. No doubt about it. It was the right move. So the more we have details, the more we get details, the more as soon as we have them, we'll let you know. Obviously, all prayers are up to Tamar Hamlin for him to be okay. Because that's the other thing that's happening here is his health and hopefully everything will be okay with him we've been talking about the Jets and the Giants mostly Jets one here from the Giant fans at 1-800-919-3776 your team is going to the postseason your team did their job against the Indianapolis Colts gosh the Colts are a bad team <laughs> gosh they are a bad team they really are feel bad for Jeff Saturday he was put in the very tough situation. Very tough. Trying to get that team to get on the right track. Quarterback issues, offensive line issues, talent issues. It was rough. But give them credit. The Giants went out and did what they were supposed to do. And now they're in a situation where they traveled to Philly to play the Eagles in a game that 
They don't really need. They're in. The Eagles need that game if they want to have, uh, you know, home field. Now, I don't know if they needed enough to suit up Jalen Hurts and send him out there. I don't think so. But they would like to have that game. They would like to have that game. They would like to have that win so they could have the home field, obviously. So we'll see what happens during the week with that. So here from the Giant fans. For the Jet fans, let me say this. And Ed made some interesting comments about the locker room and about coaching and about Zach Wilson. And I will say this. It is very rare that an offense is changed to the tune that they have to change for Zach Wilson. It's very rare that that happens. It's very rare. Very rare. And even when you compare the situation in coaching with Brian Dayball and what he was able to do with Daniel Jones, at least you have seen Daniel Jones give you competent passing ability down the field. You've seen that. You've seen it. You haven't seen that consistently from Zach Wilson. You haven't seen it. So it's a it's a different situation. So there was more work to do coaching-wise, clearly, with Zach Wilson than it was for Daniel Jones. The thing with Daniel Jones was just he, he, turning the ball over. I mean, he was he was a pretty good, accurate passer. His completion percentage is not, has, was not bad. Even in his first year. It's not been bad. Now, once again, and he didn't, and the weapons he had, not a bunch of them. But yes, Brian Dabo put him in position to make some plays. And he let him run, let him run the ball a little bit. And even some of the hits he took there, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I'm not sure. Not sure. Not sure about those. Terry's in Bayside. Terry, you're next on ESPN in New York tonight. All right. How's it going? And uh, a lot of rain out here in the city, but I, I could say first about Monday Night Football, the only thing is, you do have some very good modern technology there right away to administer, to minister and help him right away on the field. So that's going to help him, and we'll see what happens. But at least they were right there to help him out. And uh, the thing now with the Giants, big Giant fan, all right, we beat the Colts. They, I mean, they beat the Colts, and they, listen, the Colts ain't a real good team. And I was looking, listen, the Giants need a break. They got a break. They're playing a bad team. They had to beat them to make the playoffs. This is not Johnny Unitas. This ain't Peyton Manning. This is a, the Colts are a bad team. Uh, I think Brian, the bold one, I call him the bold one, is I think he's the coach of the year. Um, I think he really led this team um, in the beginning of the season. There was a confident look in his face that he could do something with this team. I think he liked Daniel Jones from the beginning. That helps a quarterback a lot to have that support support cast around him, to have you know good coaching around him. I believe he had it this year. Um, we worry about his wide receivers. 
Um, but I would just say that, listen, they're in the NFL. You're not going to always have the greatest uh, all-pro receivers, pro bowl, but you're going to have guys who catch the ball. He'll get the ball out there to him, and if a play breaks down, Daniel Jones can run with that football. So this, this is a season where I see there is really no great teams. We have big-name quarterbacks. We know the name. We could all rehearse all the names one by one. But an extra playoff uh, teams means uh, there's a good chance because of injuries or just the unusual circumstances. Where you might see some of these big-name teams and big-name quarterbacks get thrown out early in the playoffs. And, I, and this is the year for a team like the Giants – that could sneak through this thing and possibly uh, be going down for a parade down Broadway sometime in February. I hear you, Terry, and thanks for the phone call. the The thing that you, the thing that you like about this Giants team is that Wink Martindale will put together a defensive game plan that keeps your team in the game. That's really how the Giants have gotten here. Is that their defense keeps them in the game. And they find a way to beat you late. That's why, and it looks like shaping up could be a rematch of Giants-Minnesota because they're the sixth seed and three play six. So if that's the case, it would be the battle of two one-score one score teams. I mean, these teams do a great job of winning by one score. You know, it's like seven or three. It's, it's, it's not a double-digit team. It's like a one-score game. So they... That would be interesting to see how they would make adjustments to each other. And you're right. Because what the Giants have been able to do with young receivers, some of them who weren't even with the team at the start of the season, what they've been able to do, what Daniel Jones has been able to do offensively, he and Saquon Barkley, let's be honest, for most of the season, they were the offense. They were the offense. His ability to run, both their abilities to run, was the key to that offense. And once again, the defense, keeping games close, putting pressure on folks, pressuring the quarterback, making plays. So you have a shot. When you get into the postseason, it's a new season, you have a shot. And once again, you know, your season is is great. Nobody expected you to go to the postseason. You got off to the great start. You're there. You struggled a little bit. You made it to the postseason. Now it's just a matter of seeing how far you go. So your season is great. For a first-year team under new regime, I mean, you have to be stat- ecstatic if you're a Giants fan. Ecstatic. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 9870 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Chris is in Carmine. Chris, you're next on 987. Hey, it's Chris. How are you, man? Uh, What's up, Chris? Great show. It's fr- first you, time I listened. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed. You. I was just telling the producer, uh, you know, I had all these thoughts listening to you talk about the Giants and the Jets and uh I think what happened uh, earlier tonight puts things actually in Absolutely. perspective when we're Listen, screaming about hey, Dana Jones should be gone. Hey, Chris, man, you know? don't, don't be embarrassed by that. It took all of us for a loop. I've had, I, I see my colleagues in tears in the studio. So you, you are, you do not have to apologize over that. It took us all as a shock. 
Yeah, I guess all we can do is pray. So uh, that's what I'm going to do right now. Uh, quickly, I was just, uh, you know, I was talking to some people, and uh, I don't want to cliche you to death, but, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the Giants and Jets, and uh, I've coached high school football for quite some time and uh, grew up in a football family. And, uh, you know, I uh, I was told by a longtime high school coach, it's uh don't ever forget, when I was a young coach, he said to me, uh, don't ever forget, he goes, as much as you can overthink this game, he said, it's more about the Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's. And he always talked about culture, and uh, even at the pro level, college level, you have to have grown-ups in the clubhouse or grown-ups in the locker room. And I was just saying to the producer, something's missing with the Jets. I can't put my finger on it. Obviously, the quarterback's obvious, and they're way more talented than the Giants, but you know, Giants are young, too. Their oldest player is Feliciano at 30, and then Landon Collins at 28, and after that, Barkley at 26, and everybody else is like the Jets, 25 and under. And they, aside from the second half of that Cowboys game and then the Eagles debacle, they they just fight you to the death. And I heard Nick Gates interviewed in the – it's the greatest quote I've heard, and then I want to get your take on it. You know, the, Nick Gates and uh, Shane Lemieux – basically had career-ending injuries, and they haven't had a great year, the two of them. They're kind of rotational platoon guys, but, you know, they had career-ending, you know, where they might be crippled, compound fractures. There's just a fight in the Giants that I, I think the Jets have rolled over, and, you know, you look at uh, Wink Martindale, like we were saying, there's a grown-up on the staff, and I look mm-hmm. at the Jets, and I'm like, man, where is that? You hear Robert Sala, you know, with uh, the T-shirt, uh, all gas, no brakes, and I'm I'm taking tickets, and I'm going to remember this day, and, you know, when we're in the Super Bowl, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to, you know, call people on it. And you hear Dayball, and he's just like, hey, man, this is just a business trip. We just want another game. We're focused on the Eagles. I'm not even worried about the playoffs right now. So I think it starts at the top. Um, I think a lot of Shane's moves, like you said, a lot of these guys who are playing fantastic for the Giants are like scrap heap guys, mm-hmm. and they just go. Next, oh, it's cliche, but next man up. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. All right, Chris. Thanks for the phone call and the kind words. I'll say this: um, Joe Judge started when you saw him when he first started with the Giants. He looked. He looked as though he was okay. All right, they look to be pretty good. They look to be more of a, a better coach team. And then something happened last season. And they of course they also had quarterback issues when Daniel Jones went down. And they had probably the worst two quarterbacks you could ever see in the in the National Football League. And it just was not the same team. And so when you look at what Brian Dayball came in with and what he brought to the table, and remember, he's fresh off a rule-changing playoff game loss. (laughs) Okay? Fresh off. A rule changing playoff game loss. Now, everybody in the postseason will get a chance. When it's tied, everybody gets a chance. It's not just one and done. Everybody gets a chance now because of that game. And so when you're a player in the league and you watch the guy who engineered that game and he's now your head coach, I mean, it's... You're going to believe everything he says. (laughs) He's got credibility. 
You believe in him. You've watched what he built as the OC up in Buffalo. You watched Josh Allen get better and better. You've seen that team improve. You've watched them go out and get Stephon Diggs and take that next step. You've seen it. And so you're confident that this is the guy that can take you to where you have to go. You're confident. You're confident. And so it's an easier sell. than a rookie OC, (laughs) okay? It's an easier sell. And yeah, you're right. What he was able to do with this team, there's no question about it. It's a big difference. And he was able to Get them and changing the culture? No question about it. That is exactly what he did. And those guys believe in him. They definitely do. And it's worked. But the biggest difference is how he's influenced and what he's done with Daniel Jones. And for me, the word is very simple. The word is accountability. He's held him accountable. Dayball's held everybody on that team accountable, and he's held them accountable immediately. From yelling at Daniel Jones on the sidelines to challenging other players defensively, whatever it took. That's what he's been able to do. It's accountability. So if that's me, if that means changing the culture, if that means uh, we play harder for him, whatever that is, to me the word is accountability, and that has been the biggest difference with this Giants team. He's held them accountable, and they understand what they have to do, and they know based on playing time if they want if they want to play <laughs> they got to perform so is robert sala holding his team accountable the way brian dayball is i don't remember seeing robert sala in players faces on the sideline now everybody's not the same coach and everybody has different styles and maybe that's not robert sala's style but it's dayball's style and it's worked for him. And that's one of the one of the reasons why this team has overachieved and has advanced faster than a lot of people thought. That's the reason. And making the adjustments for Daniel Jones. Finding out what he does well and helping him through it. That's been the adjustment. And once again, accountability from the head coach. That's what it's been. 
We'll continue the conversation, talking Jets, Giants, and a little Knicks next. You're listening to ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty.